yeah, she was there. Um, but like I said, uh, we, it was a two-day event, which normally in school admissions is about a week, so we crammed tons of learning, tons of information into like a night and next day event. Um, and we saw uh, the hearts of some of these young people change. There was, it was a good equal between guys and girls, um, just willing to learn and know more about missions. They were asking questions. They were like desiring to learn and know what's next um, because they went in not really knowing much, but left like questions, wanting to know more. And it's just awesome to see, like being able to speak that into people and see and young people rise up wanting to go out there and see what's next. And so that's, like she said, that's what's like supporting us in our opportunity and ministry opportunities looks like. And so, huh? That was it. Um, like she said, um, if you, we'll be outside after the service. You want to speak to us more. Um, but we're going to pass it back to Pastor Josiah here. Thank you all again for this opportunity. And y'all, seriously, please pray about supporting this family. If there's one thing you need to know, when a young missionary family goes overseas, it's more likely that they will stay there because they will raise their kids there, and we need more long-term missionaries overseas. A lot of times, I don't know if you know this, but the lifespan of an actual missionary is like two to three years, and they end up coming home. We need to support our missions teams and continue to spread the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. Pastor Charlie, you guys. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So today, now is the time we again get to make the declaration over our lives, over the lives of others, over the lives of our friends and family. So if everyone will stand, please, and repeat after me. We are sword-drawn, word-ready, purpose-filled. We will not be denied, and in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Amen. We also have a statement of declaration over our finances. The missionaries just got up here and said they need your support. They're not asking you to write them a check for directly to them. Whatever you give into the kingdom of God, God blesses back to you. So it's not just offering and tithes. It also includes support for missions. So whatever you give to them, God will bless you for, as well as bless them. I want to thank all our visitors that are here today. I want to let you know that we have offering baskets on each end here, and you are welcome to get up at any time and place your offering in these baskets. So let's join together now in the statement over our offering. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough 
to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Lost, but he brought me yes his love for oh his love oh his love for through the sun through the sun sets free oh it's free indeed I'm a child of God yes I am come on free at last heart of mine 
problem, but He's right with us. And you hold my every breath. Such an awesome God. So
Just your own words telling. You can trust the Lord. Stop singing the words on the screen. Just relax in his presence. A few minutes in his presence will do you more than going to a spa for a whole weekend. I can promise you that. Just feel his peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your peace, Jesus. Thank you for joy. Thank you for hope. Lord, we trust you, Lord. Trust you, Lord. And 
in his presence, his goodness, his faithfulness, his love. Come on, there is nothing like living life that way. Nothing like that. Let's make this our prayer again. Just to be close. Come on, just tell him. Lord, just to be close to you. Just to be close. Just to be close to you. Oh, I love you, Jesus.
God, but we call you our Father. Such a paradox, but we thank you for that, Lord. Who are we to deserve such? Thank you, Father God. So good and so faithful, Lord. Are you thankful for that this morning? Thankful to serve such an awesome God. Thankful to call him your Father. Lord, we thank you, God. Look at somebody say, he is such an awesome God. Yes, thank you, Lord. You can go back to your seat. Stay in that attitude of worship. bow your heads with me and raise your hands towards heaven as we prepare to receive because I genuinely believe that today this is not a word from Pastor Josiah Hodge you're not hearing my opinions or my thoughts we are dealing directly up if I don't break that directly with scripture and if you close your eyes bow your heads with me as raise your hands towards heaven as we receive Lord God I have a very heavy spirit right now as this is not going to be a popular word and it's not going to be a fun word to give it's not a feel good message, but I believe this is a call to the church, to the true vineyard of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, I feel you on me and I pray that you would speak through me, that we don't have to beg you to be here, but that you reside in the body of Christ. So when I speak, I'm believing it'll be your words. Whatever I say will be your words, Lord God. And right now, as your congregation raises their hands to heaven to receive, that their ears would be open, that their spiritual eyes would be open, that their hearts would be open to receive the message, not as a rebuke, but as a correction, that we would all do better, that we would all be the vineyard we were meant to be. We would all be the seed and the plant we were called to be. We would be opening, we would be open to the pruning of the Father. So, Lord God, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our ears right now in this moment. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, Children's Church, Children's Church, you are now dismissed. Miss Serena is in the back waving at you guys. Miss um, Pat, since the clicker's broken, I'll give you, I'll give you um, signal. I'm like, up here. You know how, like, uh, baseball players put up the signal for the pitcher? I got you, all right? You're going to know which one to turn to. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is great to see you guys this morning. Um, our clicker broke this morning, literally this morning, so I'm, I apologize for that, uh, Brother Tony. I apologize for having a broken clicker, that difficult thing. But you know what? We're rolling. We're continuing on. It's not a big deal. Um, as I was in the Word this week, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't even planning on reading this passage. Uh, my heart is broken for America and the leadership of America and especially the church 
of America right now. Um, and so I was just reading in Isaiah chapter 5, and um, I was reading verse 20, which says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, I've read through Isaiah a couple times, but I felt the Holy Spirit direct me over to the beginning of chapter 5. And that is where we are starting today. And this, this message is called the vineyard. And whenever I was reading and just jumped in my spirit that this is a word for this church, but a word for the church as a whole. And y'all, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be, oh, I heard from the Lord. No, I genuinely believe that this may be one of the most important sermons I ever preach in my entire life. As we are on the precipice of seeing America fall, as we are on the precipice of seeing the church crumble, completely going away from the things of God into the ways of man, I believe this could be one of the most important sermons I ever preach. And so I'm not giving you some fancy PowerPoint. There are some slides, but you're not going to sit here and just take notes. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he's telling you from these passages. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to direct your note-taking, because honestly, I'm not here to spoon-feed you. I want you to have such a deep relationship with the Lord that when I speak, he's speaking to you as well. And the whole point of today is to graph ourselves back onto the true vine, to put the church back where it was always meant to be, to be the vineyard it was always called to be. So we open, we open here, Isaiah chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me, but please write it down. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. We're going to read through, and then we're going to deal with it. Once again, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. The disappointing vineyard. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved regarding his vineyard. Now we understand God oftentimes in the Old Testament spoke to his prophets through parables and metaphors, correct? So he's telling this in the form of a song, right? He's laying it out in the form of a story. A song of my, well, of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine he built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he, he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry of help. Do we believe that the warnings and woes of God stand forever? Do we believe that his word lasts forever? It never ends. It lasts on this. The only thing that will remain forever is his word. It never falls void. So when I read this in my spirit, it jumped heavily in my spirit that this is a warning for America and the modern American church. Let's deal with the verses. Verse 1. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. 
My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. What was he saying? The promised land of prosperity that was promised to the people of God and the promises of God covering the people, right? That's the fruitful hill. He gave them everything they needed to be a fruitful vineyard. America was built as a Christian nation. But let me tell you something, saints. When a nation claims to be Christian, God expects that nation to live to a standard. God expects that vine that claims to be of the true vine to bear a specific type of fruit. So for we as America, we were built on very prosperous land with the blessings of God behind us. How else could a ragtag team of soldiers defeat the most powerful nation in the world if it was not planted on fruitful land, on a fruitful hill? Verse 2. He dug it and cleared out its stones. What is God saying? He's saying he removed anything that would hinder growth. He removed all the bad things in the land that would hinder the growth and the fruitfulness of the vineyard. He cleared it out. He cleared the way that this could truly be a thriving, fruitful vineyard. He planted it with the choicest vine. He chose for himself a people that were supposed to be fully set apart to himself. Abraham and his descendants, he chose a people to be set apart unto himself. It was the choicest vine that he had to choose from, and that is where he established the vineyard. He built a tower and wine press in it. He provided, he provided everything this vineyard needed. He provided protection. He provided security and place for production. He gave this vineyard everything it needed. When we think of a physical vineyard, he did everything he possibly could to make sure this was the most fruitful vineyard possible. It produced wild grapes. It was meant to produce good grapes, but it produced wild grapes. If you know anything about wild grapes, they're sour. They're bitter. Majority of humans can't even palate them because it makes your stomach sick. So what is God saying? He was saying he planted this beautiful, fruitful vineyard, gave it everything it needed, and he expected what? Good grapes. He expected a specific type of fruit to be bore from this vineyard. He expected it, but instead he got wild grapes. Bitter to the taste, bitter to the stomach, not even palatable to majority of human beings. They looked like grapes, but they did not taste like grapes. Verse 3 and 4, the vine dresser did everything possible to make this a fruitful, growing, and thriving vineyard. Yet it brought forth wild grapes instead of good. The fruit God expected from the vineyard was holiness, righteousness, purity, justice, and godliness. But can I tell you today, Christian, just because someone claims to be a Christian does not mean they're a Christian. Just because you say you're a good grape does not mean you're not a wild grape. 2 Timothy 3.5 says, And having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, stay away. And I stand up here, dare to say that majority of churches in America are wild grapes. Wild grapevines. They are not connected to the true vine. The vine dressers that we're going to read about in a minute, the wicked vine dressers have taken the vineyard, killed the son, killed the servants, and taken over and said, we are the gods of this vineyard. Now, there are consequences. Listen, a vine dresser, if you are taking care of a vineyard, you always prune. You always cut away to keep it healthy. So there are consequences for a disappointing vineyard when it doesn't grow the way that it is supposed to. Verse 5, its hedge and wall of protection will be taken away. Now wild animals and thieves can come in and destroy the vineyard. The animals can come and eat of the fruit. They can take it away from the vine and it will die. Verse 6, the vine dresser will no longer work the vineyard. 
Do you understand that? Majority of the time, if a vineyard grows out of order, grows out of the way it wasn't supposed to, either the people who own the vineyard will cut away the vineyard completely or they will just leave it alone. Church, can I tell you, we are dangerously close to God taking his hand off of his church in America. I, I, I pray, I pray y'all are hearing this. His presence will no longer reside there and he will no longer visit there. His blessings, mercy, and grace will no longer be poured out on the vineyard and worked into the soil. He will no longer let the rain fall upon the vineyard. Do we understand that's a consequence when the vineyard does not grow the way it was intended to grow? Verse 7. Verse 7 shows that the vineyard is the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God. The pleasant plant are the people of Judah. And when he expected them to be godly and righteous, seeking justice, he found them doing the exact opposite. When God looks at America, a nation who claims to be Christian, even in the year 2021, what is he finding? He's finding the exact opposite of what he planted there. He planted grapes, and we are wild, rebellious grapes who don't look or taste anything like he intended for us to. And I dare say God is speaking this warning, the same warning to America and the American church today. The modern church we see in America today looks nothing like what we read of in the Bible. Don't listen. Don't give me the excuse of times have changed. The only thing that has changed is man. God is everlasting. God never changes. His word never falls void. It lasts forever. So don't you dare tell me that the church has changed with the times when God is timeless. When we have an everlasting God, the reason it's changed is because man has been wild grapes and grafted itself onto a vineyard it was never meant to be a part of. Come on now, y'all. I pray you are hearing this. Mm. Next slide, Ms. Pat. Let's deal with Jeremiah 2, 20 through 21. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Starting in verse 20. For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds. And you said, I will not transgress. When on every high hill and under every green tree you lay down playing the harlot. Yet I had planted you a noble vine a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? The father, the vine dresser, would free the people time and time again. We see it throughout Israelite history. And they would vow that they would no longer transgress against him. God, you are our God. God, we will follow your commands. But time and time again, they fell back into idolatry. Time and time again, they fell back into it and they became a degenerate plant of an alien vine. So what does that tell me? Verse 21, the father once again did everything he could and he planted his vineyard with the most healthy, fruitful seed possible, the healthiest. Yet the seed grew into a complete opposite of what its purpose was. It looked nothing like what God had planted it to be and the fruit was that not which God had expected it to be. It was degenerate, less than what God had intended it to be. It was wicked, unjust, unrighteous, evil, bitter, rotten, and wild. It was alien to God, completely foreign to him. It didn't make any sense to him. It was nothing like what he intended. This was nothing like the seed he had planted. What does this tell me about America today? We're a degenerate plant. 
We are less than what God had wanted us to be. Do you understand the church in the world was supposed to be showing the glory of God to the rest of the world? You understand the book of Acts did not cease with the book of Acts. The church is the thing that has changed. In the book of Acts, you read time and time again that the mighty power of God was shown through the apostles and the disciples and thousands came running to the Father, falling down in fear and worship of the Lord. And I've said this time and time again, Acts chapter 9 verse 31 says, And they walked in the fear of the Lord and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and their numbers multiplied. Why do we see a dying church? We don't walk in the fear of the Lord and we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have been grafted onto a degenerate plant and a vine that is completely foreign to God. He cannot bless which is not of his vineyard. If he is not the one planting and growing and he's not the one pruning, you're not a part of his vineyard. Matthew 21, 33 through 41. Matthew 21, 33 through 41. Here, another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Doesn't that sound familiar? He's literally referencing Isaiah chapter 5 that we just read. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Right, this is speaking of God, planting his vineyard. Went back. 34, now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants. He sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine dressers? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to another vine dresser, to more vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their season. Verse 33 is talking about the story we just read in Isaiah chapter 5 and how it produced wild grapes. But verse 34, God sent his prophets and righteous men to call the people of God back to him. Do we understand that in the story? Time and time again, the Israelites would rebel and they would fall so far from God and he would speak to man and he would send these mighty men, these mighty prophets of God to call the people back to himself. And now I'm not bragging on this, but it was prophesied, y'all, my entire life this has been prophesied on me and I take this to heart, that I would be a John the Baptist to my generation to call the people of God back to him. You understand, I don't, I'm not happy about being John the Baptist. Do you know what happened to John the Baptist? He was beheaded. I'm not here bragging. I'm John the Baptist. The man didn't live very long, y'all. Because he preached an unpopular message to a rebellious people of God. And today I feel like I'm standing here as one of these people sent because I don't know if I'm going to find fruitful ground. You understand, you're the fruitful ground. You're the vineyard. You produce the fruit. We produce the fruit. And so when God sent these people, he expected them, right, to, to go to correct. And then the people of God would change and produce the fruit, the righteousness, the holiness, the goodness, the godliness, right? He expected them to produce that. But what happened every time he sent them? They killed them. So what does this mean? The vine dressers, the leaders of the Jewish church, the synagogue, 
rejected the prophets and did whatever they wanted with the vineyard because they thought it belonged to them. In essence, they were playing God. Can I tell you today in the modern church, when we put man above God, we are playing God? That is a very dangerous position to be. When you remove the Holy Trinity from the rightful place and you put the flawed, horrible, sinful ways of man up there, there's a dying church. There's a dying church. And in essence, we have done that in today's age. So when we read about the Pharisees and the scribes, we can't be so holy and righteous to think, I would never do that. No, I guarantee we have done that, and we are doing that. We said, God, we know better than you. Is that not what they did? God, you told us how to, how to plant, how to grow, how to foster growth in your vineyard. But we said, no, God, we know better. And we've added methods and programs and all these human-made ideas. Instead of sticking to Scripture and the Word and the worship of the Father, we have forsaken the original training from the true vine dresser, and we have thought that we knew better. Now we see even the Pharisees and scribes themselves admit, what is the punishment for such a thing as this? The punishment for the wicked vine dressers, they will be destroyed and God will trust his vineyard to other vine dressers. Now I believe this is a huge message for those of us in church leadership, those of us in church leadership, that we cannot think that God would not push us to the side and choose someone else who is willing to follow his commands and his ways. So even to ourselves who know the Bible, we can say all the day long, this is what we deserve, but what do our actions look like? What do our thoughts look like? Are we seeking to please God or grow a church? There's a difference. This is a warning to the church. If God had been compelled to change tenets once, he could, if provoked, do it again. I don't know why we think we can just sit here. Do you understand, as a child, y'all are parents, you understand this, you hold your children to a standard and they know, what, is, what can I do around mommy and daddy? What can I not do around mommy or daddy? Why do we think we can live however we want to as children of God and there not be any consequences? We live as horrible, rebellious children, yet we pray these big prayers. God is not going to listen to horrible, rebellious children. Sometimes you need a season of discipline before you can have a season of blessing. Do you understand the church is putting out this great worship music? I love the worship music, but we're putting on this face that the church is okay. We need to be in a season of mourning, not joy. Do you understand we're acting as if everything is okay when it's not? If we are foreign to him, we cannot abide with him. This leads to a church without the power or the presence of God. What do we see in America? A church without the power and the presence of God. We, we feel uncomfortable when there's not singing, there's just music playing. We don't want to rest in the presence. We don't foster the presence. We don't welcome the presence. And we definitely, if we don't have the presence, we definitely do not have the power. So we see a powerless church in America that looks a lot like the world, and the world doesn't want to follow a powerless church because we're not truly showing them God. John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. First one, Jesus is the true vine and the Father is the vine dresser. If we look back at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2, we see that the vine dresser calls the people, God calls the people of Judah the choicest vine. But they became full of themselves and relied on their own righteousness and denied God, and the vine was left without care and protection. Jesus came to be the true vine, to restore the vineyard to the state it was always meant to be. Church, what does that tell me? We must rely on Jesus. If nothing else the church ever says, we must be like Paul, Christ and him crucified. The power is in the cross. Without the cross, we have no power. Listen, man had their chances throughout history and we failed horribly. The only way to restore the vineyard of Jesus Christ is to rely on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. In Jesus' salvation, in Jesus' redemption, righteousness, justification, sanctification, holiness, relationship, and blessings. He is the true vine because he actually became what he was meant to be. He wasn't degenerate. He wasn't alien. He was and is perfect. The perfect vine which gives life and sustains life to all the branches. Do we understand that? You and I are branches. Do you, have you ever seen how a vine, a vine, grapevine grows? The vine grows up and the branches sprout out of the vine. If the branches are at all separated from the vine, what happens? They die. It's impossible to bear fruit when a branch is separated from the vine. The vine is the source of nutrients to the branches. If the branches are somehow removed from the vine, they will literally die. A vine dresser, listen, a vine dresser always cuts off dead branches so that they don't weigh down or hinder the vine. Do we, do we, do we understand what Jesus is saying here? Listen, abide in me and I, and I abide in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. We can do nothing without Jesus. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. We are nothing without him. I, I want to talk about the pruning of a vineyard for a second. Vine dressers prune, cut off parts of the branch that are not healthy or growing without bearing fruit. If there is a branch that is hindering the growth or fruitfulness of a vine in any way, it is cut off so that the vine continue to grow upward and the branches receive maximum nutrients in order to bear fruit. Listen, vine dressers literally train the vineyard on how it is to grow based upon the way they prune it. Do you understand that a vine dresser, they, they will put the vine, secure the vine to a, a wood stick, a wooden stick, so that it grows upward. And then eventually when they take, that, take the stick away, it continues to grow upward. Listen, y'all, listen, I'm getting into it. Vines are trained and pruned upright onto a wooden support structure so that they grow upward, upward. Branches are regularly pruned so that they do not bud out of control because a branch can only sustain a specific type of growth. A branch may bud more times than it can handle. A branch can bud out of control, which kills the branch. 
The best fruit is grown when a branch is pruned properly, concentrating growth to healthy regions of the branch. Listen, we're about to get to it. In order for a vine dresser to improve fruit quality and stabilize fruit production over time, they must consistently limit the number of shoots and leaves by pruning, cutting away unneeded things. This, this also allows to produce the maximum crop, delaying maturity year after year. Wait, did, did you hear that? This also allows to produce the maximum crop without delaying maturity year after year. The Father is pruning you so that year after year you mature. And your maturing process is not delayed. And he prunes you year after year so that you bear the maximum amount of fruit. Don't miss it. The pruning produces fruit because it cuts away the branch itself to make more room for the fruit. Less of me, more of him. Do we hear that? The pruning produces fruit because it cuts away at the branch itself to make more room for the fruit. Less of us, more of him. Less of us, more of him. The pruning brings more of him. The Father is pruning you in order to shape you into what he always intended for you to be. Do we understand? Pruning does not feel good. Pruning looks like trials and tribulations and testing of your faith. Being cut away does not feel good. Do we understand that? He is shaping us. The pruning is training you to grow and bear fruit in all seasons. Do we understand when the vine dresser is training this plant to grow a specific way, he does it so in order after the training process is done, it continues to grow without him even having to put his hand on it. God may be disciplining you in this season for the season to come. Testing of the faith to prove the faith. Come on, y'all, don't miss this. The pruning is shaping you into the man or woman of God you were called to be. God doesn't want you looking wild. God doesn't want you looking crazy. He wants you to be living according to his word. If we abide in the true vine, Jesus Christ, whatever we ask, listen, listen, listen. This isn't prosperity gospel. Don't get it twisted. Whatever we ask based upon, listen, the good and health of the rest of the vineyard. It's not about you. You should actually be focusing more on how your family and your friends are growing rather than yourself. We have made Christianity a me Christianity. We have made Jesus a me Jesus. Jesus, make me feel good. Jesus, give me good things. But we don't want to sacrifice and be disciplined by Jesus. Whatever we ask based upon the good and health of the rest of the vineyard in order for the vineyard to grow, thrive, and be fruitful, it will be answered by our Father, the vine dresser, because it is his will and he is glorified when we bear much fruit. Y'all, we are praying for miraculous things in this house for this body. We are believing that our brother Kenny will walk. We believe that our our brother Kenny will walk. We ain't talking metaphorically. We're talking literally walk. Because he is a talking testimony of Jesus. We are believing he'd be a walking, talking testimony of Jesus. We're not going to settle for less. We are believing for the greater things. Why? Because our prayers are not glorifying us. Our prayers are glorifying the Father because we are praying that the vineyard bears much fruit. Mm. Listen, listen, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The fruit we bear is the evidence. The fruit we bear is the evidence of whether or not we are his disciples. A fruitless branch, there is no way that has been pruned by the Father. Y'all, we got to hear this. Listen, 
We have to hear this. Because when he says that the branch will be cut off and thrown into the fire, he's not being, he's not being figurative. He's talking about what happens to those who do not bear fruit in the name of the Father. You understand that when God looks at the body of Christ, he's looking at the body. When he looks at his vineyard, he's looking at the vineyard. Does he want good for each and every person? Yes, he's our good father. But if you are hindering the vineyard, he will cut you off in a heartbeat. If you are weighing the vine down, he will cut you off in a heartbeat. He owes us nothing. He is dealing with the health of his vineyard. Ms. Pat, you can go to that final slide. Listen, church, it's not too late to make it right. Now listen, y'all, I, for a long time I've said, you know, I really don't believe Jesus is coming back anytime, you know, just looking at the world. But y'all, as the world progresses and I see the leadership of this nation, I don't know if Jesus is coming back, but I don't believe this nation will stand much longer if we continue in the path we're on. Do you understand that when a nation leaves what it was intended to be, we are one nation under God, we, we said that, right? We classified ourselves as a nation under God. Listen to the Pledge of Allegiance. We classified ourselves in this nature. So when we leave the proper order of what we were intended to be, there are consequences. Do you know what a consequence is? A president who can't even think straight. A president, I'm, I'm not being mean, y'all. I'm being honest, y'all. I feel bad for that man. Do you know it breaks my heart to see him stumble and fall like that? Yo, that, isn't, that man reminds me of my own grandfather. Like, that's not okay. What I'm saying is a weak leader shows a weak nation. A weak leader who cannot remember things is a nation that cannot remember their God. A weak leader who cannot properly walk is a weak nation who cannot properly walk. Listen, I wish no bad upon that man. I pray they get that man some help. But the, the, the leadership reflects the health of the nation. So I genuinely, y'all, I'm being honest, I believe the Lord has taken his hand of prosperity off of America, but I believe it's still on his church. Do you understand when people walk in the fear of the Lord, the blessings of the Lord overflow off the people? If the church would get back in right standing with the Father and put him where he belongs, the blessings from the church will overflow to our nation once again. He still wants us. He has not taken his hand off of the vineyard yet. We must turn back to him and be the fruitful vineyard we were always intended to be. Do you understand that when God sent a prophet in the Old Testament, if they did not turn from their wicked ways, they were enslaved. Their nation was conquered. Do we understand that this isn't a joke? These aren't games. You may think in the year 2021 that could never happen. Look what happened in Afghanistan. Their nation has been completely overrun. You think that can't happen to us? Did you know right now, at this point in time, they are running wide-scale military trainings to prepare from an attack from China and Russia at the same exact time? Church, if we do not get on our knees and cry out for this nation, come before the Lord humbly, that can happen to us. That can happen to our children. When they, what did God say about the vineyard when it grew out of order? He took away his hedge of protection. He took away the wall of protection that was protecting the vineyard. Church, if even the church has turned from the Father, what does that say about the nation? Y'all, we can't miss this. You, you understand, we are at the prefaces. We are there. We are there. You may want to deny it. You may want to not think about it. But you understand, the media is not even telling you everything that's happening. And if we sit here thinking it's going to be okay, and that we're okay. We missed the whole point. Church, it is time to turn back to the vine dresser. It is time that we graft ourselves back onto the true vine. It's only Jesus, and only Jesus can save this nation. There's no political party. There's no military. Only Jesus, by pouring out his hedge of protection upon us, can save this nation.
I'm telling y'all, we sit here like, oh, Josiah, that could never, you're just, you're just extreme, that could never happen. I guarantee you it could happen. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, there are symbols that represent nations. The symbol for America is nowhere in the book of Revelation. And church, I feel this more than ever, that if we will humble ourselves before the mighty hand of the Father. And it starts here. It's got to start somewhere. It starts with this branch, this branch, this vineyard. It starts here. If we would humble ourselves before the Lord, cry out for our nation, cry out for our families, cry out for our friends, cry out for the political, the political systems and the powers who are governing this nation, that we cry out that they have a crazy experience with Jesus. Did you know overseas Muslims are having visions of Jesus? And Muslim leaders are coming to believe in Jesus Christ through visions as Paul had. I am praying that Biden has a vision, that Kamala Harris has a vision, that they see Jesus as he is, and this nation is turned around. It's not too far. We are not too far gone, and he is not done with us yet. But you understand, when a prophet speaks, now I'm not saying I'm some crazy prophet, but when a prophet speaks and the people do not adhere to the warning, and they do not adhere to the consequences, those things come to pass. There's a reason they're called warnings and woes. Warning, and if it doesn't happen, it's a woe. Why? Because it happened. And Christians, if we do not step up and attach ourselves to the true vine, Jesus, if we continue to let man run the church of God, we will fall. And you understand a lot of, a lot of Christianity, we're seeing branching off this liberal Christianity where everything goes, that is a degenerate plant of the vineyard. That does not belong to God. Just because something calls itself Christian does not mean it's Christian. Saints, if, if you understand, when, when I say these things, I don't say these things lightly. I have a four-month-old baby growing up in this nation the way it is today. This is a different nation than it was even a decade ago. I have a little baby boy who has to grow up in this world where there are no societal standards. Everything goes. It's however you feel. It's your own truth. Do you know how that happened? Because the church forsook the vineyard. And the presence of God left the church. And the power of God left the church. And that just left us a building with people who were not empowered. And saints, the last thing I want to see is us leave this building and act like everything is okay. We understand we, we have forsaken God, so we've seen a steady digression. It's been steady. It hasn't happened all at one time. And if you look throughout church history, even 50 years ago, you can see the digression of the church leaving the presence and the power of the Father. And now we're here, and the church is popular. It's popular. Right? We've got mega churches. They're, they're awesome, crazy cool. What does Scripture tell believers? They would experience persecution, not popularity. These are degenerate branches growing off of the true vine. But a true church, I genuinely believe, is arising. But it only happens when we kneel before the Father in prayer and humility, asking him to save his people. You, you understand right now the moment time we're in, war looks inevitable. Like, you, you understand, all, both sides are gathering their allies. Have you been reading the news? Has anyone, raise your hand, anyone been reading the news about the trainings they're doing? Each side, read about it, please. Each side is gathering their allies and doing war training. Russia and China together. America has started to gather the UK, Australia, and India, I believe, and we're doing training to prepare for a global war. And do you know what specialists are saying? 
They're saying there's no way America can defend itself. Please read them. They're saying there's no way America could defend itself from Russia and China at the same time if they both did a, a coordinated attack. And they're saying that's inevitable. At any moment, literally, y'all, please, if you have not keep up with this stuff, look at the way the nation is going. Because you want to know why? You will be on your knees before the Lord crying out for him to save our nation. Our military cannot save our nation. Our political powers cannot save our nation. Only the Father can save this nation. And it's sad, but Christians can be the most naive people. We sit thinking everything is just okay. We don't got to pray about it. We don't got to travail in prayer. We don't have to sacrifice. We don't have to fast. Oh, God just loves me. It's going to be all okay. That is not true, Christians. We cannot be naive. If the world needs something, it's for saints to step up, be informed, and pray. Do you understand? The prayers of a righteous man achieves much. And so I'm done talking. Auntie, I want you to play us a song. Listen, we are going to go into a time of worship. And I dare you, saints, everyone, come up around this altar. We have to cry out to the Father, not just on behalf of our nation, but on behalf of our church. And some of you may be looking at the American church and think we're just fine. It's not true. It's not true. Listen, I cannot tell you how many churches I've walked in, and I do not feel the presence of God one time. Saints, we have to travail in prayer. We have to come before the Father in humility, crying out for our nation.
This morning in practice, Michelle was saying one of her best friends, who's a drama instructor, writes plays and writes dramas. And one of the things she said was, could you put those words back up, please? One of the things that she said is when she writes a script, she tells her singers to stand in front of the mirror and speak the script first, to speak the song. And these words up here, if we sing them, but sometimes we forget what they mean. It says, you're such an awesome God, so mighty, so holy, so wonderful, such 
an awesome God. So selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. I don't know about you, but I serve an awesome God. <laughs> he's been generous to me. He's been faithful to me. And I know he's going to be faithful to this church. But, and her pastor this morning brought forth a word. That, wow. Just all I can say is wow. The thing about the vineyard and how the vineyard actually trims that, that vine and makes it grow up. Church, now more than ever do we need to be praying. Now more than ever do we need to be getting trimmed away so we can get closer to God. Because as our youth pastor used to say, to get closer to God, we must become cleaner. So we must clean ourselves so that we may get closer to Him. So church, now more than ever, don't just say, I'll be praying for you like we do here in the South and say, I'll be praying for you and don't really mean it. We need to be praying for this church. We need to be praying for this world. We need to be praying for the United States. We need to be praying for our leaders more now than ever. They need us as a church. This is a time where the church must stand. This is a church where the church must come back to who we've become, who we are meant to be and who God intended us to be. Now's the time more than ever. So church, if you bow your heads, we want to pray. Dear gracious and wonderful, mighty heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you for this day. God, I want to thank you that you are an awesome God. And God, thank you that you're always trimming away so that we may grow closer to you. I want to grow up. I don't want to go spreading out. I want to grow up because I know that means going up means I'm getting closer to you. So, Father God, today, I pray that this word is not land on unfertile ground, but it lands on fertile ground. God, I pray and ask today that this word will be ingested in our spirit, that all week long we think about this word. Every time we think about this word, we pray. No matter what we're doing, we, we do not stop praying. We never cease praying, that we're always praying that we grow closer to you, and we're praying for the United States. We're praying for our leaders, and we're praying for this kingdom that will come closer to you instead of further away. So, God, I pray and ask today, Father, that you will continue to bless this church, Father God. Continue to bless them not only spiritually, bless them mentally, bless them physically, bless them emotionally. Prepare our faith for the time that when we see Kenny stand up and start walking, we're not shocked because we expected it. I don't want to see us run out, but we run to him because we've been expecting it all along. So, God, I want to thank you that we believe that what our pastor brought forth today, we receive. Now, God, bless this church this week. Bless us indeed. Enlarge our territories. Keep your hedge of protection about us and the United States and this kingdom and this church. Keep us from evil that it harm us not. Let us continue to be an asset of nothing but praise and worship to you and be an example of who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, the Fagan family is about to be at their table. Please go talk to them, hear more about their mission. Pray about supporting as the gospel goes out. Uh, is Pastor Betty here today? Yes. Where's she at? Is there food? Food in the activity center. Get a blessing. Men's, men's meeting today. It's going to be one heck of a time. I'm excited for it. 6 p.m. Be there at 6 p.m. for men's group. Love you guys.